also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. Hello and welcome to this uh, first episode of Bottleman we've recorded in a while after having gotten some episodes in the can uh, a few weeks ago and boy we were episode maxing boy we were episode maxing in London has some stuff happened boy have some doings uh, transpired events have occurred um, when we yep. last spoke you know we had there was th- number one there was a queen. Number two, we still had our Boris. Uh, number three, Queen's dead, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Queen has dead is dead. Long live Pierre Polyev, uh, Emperor, Emperor of um, Canada for uh, uh, Pierre Polyev the Annoying, uh, first of his name, Emperor of yes. Canada forever. I was in London when the Queen died, and um, it was it was really sad for me. Like specifically, um, I, I was like. You know, pretty gutted when when the queen died because basically what it meant is that a synthesizer that I had purchased in Glasgow uh, that did not make it to the hotel on time and was en route was further delayed and did not make it to the hotel in London because of the Royal Mail, uh, you know, because the queen dying and, you know, uh, I didn't get the synthesizer. And then I went to Spain and it got sent onward to Spain and it couldn't pass Spanish customs. So now it's back in London again en route to Montreal. But uh, that was my personal tragedy with the, with the Queen's death. Mm. I mean, look, it's Britain has gone through, I would say, uh, quite a bit, uh, including, I, I mean, look, let's just say, look, is this a British politics show? No, it's not. But uh, we, it is, we just have to note, you know, the a serious um, accomplishments of Liz Truss to uh, get made prime minister immediately be the last person the queen sees before she mysteriously dies because 96 year olds just don't die like yes. that. Um, yes. Uh, before right away sparking off a currency crisis sort of hitherto unseen since decimalization of the pound and then actually alienating the conservative party from homeowners. Two Liz's enter, one Liz leave. Yeah. It's, That's the rule. Ad, ad, you know? Absolutely. It is. Uh, there can only be one Liz and uh, the stronger Liz won, it would seem. Yeah. Uh, but we got the, be- the, the best possible Liz. <laughs> you know, hey, what's that other Liz done for me lately? Uh, I'll tell you what she did. She, exactly. she held up my friend's synthesizer. Uh, and it's, it's Royal Mail's not even public. It's not even government known. It just has Royal in the name. You know, <sighs> how, how yeah. are, on earth are they holding up synthesizers when they don't even work for the lady? People just don't want to work anymore, Riley. I yeah, you know it's yeah. a to be honest, it's a it's a tragedy, but you know uh, we we must we must carry on. Yeah, I'm sorry and that the I queen's mean, death is going to prevent everyone from listening to uh, der funky beats in, influenced by my uh, European travels. So sorry, R.I.P. that record, I guess. Yeah, Dan Dan comes to Europe. Uh, Dan comes to Europe, listens to der funky beats one time. And then just engages in a kind of continent-wide ex- exploration of the nine delights. You guys of, could have uh, had. Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys could have had eight-bit Basque. Uh, my answer, my eight-bit interpretation of Basque music, but no, no, sorry, Bob. But look, um, while we're while we're on on the subject of uh, of of the Queen and and her her death, right? We could all we all of course have to remember. You know what is it? Um, what did what did Justin Trudeau do that uh, let's just say sparked outrage among um, what can only be called the gigantic pussy community? Uh, is he was spotted doing the uh, one cool way to respond to the death of the monarch, which is uh, lame karaoke of a uh, garage band song? Yeah. Uh, yes, he was uh, singing in the Queen. Um, he was spotted by. One of uh, Britain's millions and millions of deputized snitches, um, because yeah, we we very much. This is a country that still very much has a Stasi. They're just employed by like one blog, uh, the Royal that, Guard, that feeds information. Yeah, it's it's well, it's, ironically enough, they're mostly employed by a blog called Guido Fox. Um, <laughs> yeah, so who will if you're insufficiently respectful to the Queen, will have you done up. You know, you're nicked. They'll say. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you get the the what is it, the Salford necktie or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you you've um you've you you've done down or match outside the arsenal and now yeah. we're going to nick you by the Tesco. Um <laughs> nick by the that's, Tesco. This is how for people talk here. the queen. Yeah, or he, she's our Madge, uh, and she's our Madge to you. Anyway, um, yeah, so we have like just um, a kind of unofficial uh, volunteer Stasi of people who just snitch to this one blog that's then the main source on goings-on for like um, the right-wing press. It was to the point during the Corbin years where like if someone was, if just some random person on Twitter was like, I don't know, rude to like an MP... Then someone from Guido Fox would like go ten years back in their Facebook profile where they were like, "Hey, Palestinians are human," and then be like, "Horrible anti-Semitism from this random member of the public." I it love was, it. It's it quite astonishing. Snitch culture is huge now. It's like that's all there is almost on the internet, uh, like like on on social media. It's amazing. Like the the whole NAFO thing is based on snitch culture and just like yep. deep deep digging profiles, you know. But, like, but Britain. Britain, Britain's been doing it since before the internet because our our journalist class has a kind of proud tradition of just camping out outside someone's house, going through their garbage. Um, like <laughs> genuinely, are yeah. This is no. It's like it's it's the um, there's uh, there is actually if you are if you are in Britain and you're sort of vaguely adjacent to politics, you worry about getting too high profile because you would say, and this is a phrase that will be widely understood by everyone you're talking about. I don't want Guido Fox going through my bins. Jesus, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, Canada, it's, Canada snitchness has... <laughs> pervades this country. Canada has an inbuilt kind of milder version of that as well. You know, it's I I, I think it's part of being a Commonwealth country and being oh, yeah, deeply absolutely. and being deeply insecure. You know, like, yeah, but um, and so you know, effectively, right? Like the uh, he, Trudeau gets called up for um not. I don't know, wailing and gnashing, uh, gnashing his teeth and rending his garments uh, before the funeral of the queen. And, you know, I mean, again, if you are Trudeau and you are basically Mr. Small C conservative, it, you had half a brain. This probably was the time to perform being super, super sad, mm-hmm. right? Because that's mm-hmm. mostly what you can offer people. Yes. Um, but, of course, you know, he didn't seem to um, didn't seem to do that. But what do you think of the fact that he was singing Bohemian Rhapsody? I, it tracks. I mean, it was either going to be that or under the bridge or something like that. Or music is my no. aeroplane. Like I, I'm. Uh, con- I think Justin is a huge RHCP fan. I think he like even likes think, the stuff you you're not allowed singing. to like anymore, like uh, "Sexy Mexican Maid" from Mother's Milk. <laughs> I, I see. I see him more as uh, having come into it in the, in the Californication era. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's followed RHCP like on their journey, you know, from funky monks, um, from from partying on everyone's pussy to um, to uh, scar tissue, you know. I think that would have I would have been very fun if he sang like Snow or whatever, and then <laughs> be like rumors of Justin Co- Justin Trudeau cocaine controversy or what have yeah. you. That would have been very fun. Just him, just singing that one moist song. Uh, <laughs> would be really good awful yeah um yeah uh, just justin trudeau in 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 um race row again as he sings audio slave justin um, trudeau wows but, crowd with incredible version of check the or by organized rhyme <laughs> perfect i do uh, like it so far justin thank you <laughs> i i think that um uh justin trudeau should get a verse on um on, on on logic's next backpack rap record or no oh. he should do like conscious rap like immortal technique and do his hand gestures justin trudeau is like a lyrical miracle guy would be that tracks that makes sense to me <laughs> um anyway so this is i mean it, it it honestly does feel like um it it does feel honestly like a um like the canadian a lot of the canadian um right-wing press has kind of looked to britain uh, and it's not just in the sort of trying to gin up controversy around like the because um, the, the way the British right wing press works. Right. And again, no fan of Justin Trudeau, but you can see the way that this mechanism operates and you can mm-hmm. see the Canadian press kind of learning to do it. I don't know, 10, 20 years later. Yeah. Which is 
you will find someone doing something and then invent some standard of behavior that they have breached. Yes. Um, and then what happens is that you and then a coordinated group of other right-wing journalists all publish about it at the same time. And then what happens is it makes its way over into mainstream media, into like centrist media or whatever, mm-hmm. or apes media that's seen as roughly apolitical. Like, you know, like the Global Mail is not apolitical. Just remember our episode with uh, Davide Mastracci. Um, yes. But it, it's stuff that seems less party political, for example. Yeah. And then what happens is everyone's talking about the controversy about Justin Trudeau singing blah, 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 blah. As if it's is, real. As if it's real. They take the they they take the invented controversy and they present it as fact or as a legitimate question. Yeah, but the thing about you know just the fact that just, you can tell they're not very good at it yet because like this is kind of uh, lame, <laughs> weak, and stupid. Like there's just no yeah. sauce in this at all. No, there's nothing to get mad at. There's nothing mm. to get mad at. You know, like it it is astounding to look at canadian media media controversies and see like okay there's the trudeau thing but then there's also like oh i don't know (laughs) You know, uh deputy prime minister marching in front of a fascist banner (laughs) like there's no 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 that's not that's no fucking public conversation about that that's not controversial at all actually you shouldn't talk about that why would you talk about yeah, that? Because, I mean, it's part of politics as entertainment, right? And if there's one country that has perfected politics as entertainment, it's the UK. And I can just see the main mode of, um, let's say, right-wing campaigning in this, in this style of um, political media and the way people consume politics mm-hmm. as um, you know, entering over, as crossing the pond, if, if you like. You know, America yeah. does it as well, but this seems much more in the... America doesn't do it in such a snitch style as often. Oh, America's um, like the the fucking Thunderdome. It's like chaos mode. And then this is just like uh, every, everyone is pretending to be offended by something, you know? Like every, everyone is clutching their petticoats at something that they've completely well, I, made. I see. Um, so I see, right? I see, I see what's, what's happening as well, right? Is that there is as... Is, is that this is also a, an effect of, I think deadlock and stagnation that when there's yes. nothing happening you need to continue making making inroads but if everything yeah. is sort of so frozen then all that all that can be done is uh you know confected uh, and manufactured outrage and yeah, you know in exactly. this case and 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 it's something where you know in where in canadian politics what has gotten us this far is the fact that most people are pretty much not engaged but as the, um, mm-hmm. let's say, the lazy river has become a little bit less hospitable, as a lot of the uh, crises have spilled over from being individual problems into a slow rolling, building political crisis of a sort of set of establishment operators that are unable and unwilling to do anything that is equal to the, the problems that we're facing. And we've done this to death a million times from housing to... Um, from housing to to wages uh, to you know the decaying health systems to in the to NBC overdose deaths right that as these problems grow and metastasize and become systemic crises that the less anyone is able to deal with them it seems um, the more people become politicized but the because yes. there's an unwillingness of anyone inside to move on on them and uh, there is. You get a lot more of experience of politics as entertainment because people are desperate to be to engage with something because they feel something has gone wrong. Well, and they that feel the rule the the lever to fix it is over there, and that guy's by it. Um, mm-hmm. That you know you we that we just sort of sensationalism just kind of grows out of that, and that's where it's you anything- end up with again wh- why we're talking about this total bullshit non-story about yeah. someone we couldn't give less than a shit about. Because it is symptomatic, I think. It's a transformation that is symptomatic of a larger shift. Yeah, it's anything to get the attention of the people who are perceived to have any power over anything, you know? And, mm. and I, think, I think, too, there's the other, there's the other uh, factor of, like, you know, when we talked to Jeff Vanderbeer early on in this podcast, we were talking about, like, the idea of hyper-objects and... Um, you know, the climate or uh, disinformation as like a, a literal hyper object that is unparsable to the human mind, too complex. I think 
the way uh, the housing crisis has developed or the opiate crisis has developed in Canada or the way that our healthcare system is falling apart, that the information that we are given creates this weird golem-like hyper-object thing that you, you can't address publicly. No one seems to be able to publicly address any of this shit. Like, mm. It is impossible, but it's way easier to wrap your head around like, uh, you know, our Justin um, singing fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. Like it's also it's also way easier. It's all, but that also is why you know you want to talk about this as well. It's why someone like uh, like Polyev was able to take the conservative nomination, and why you know beyond him just basically fucking up himself by being too weird. I yes. don't you know I, I I don't understand kind of I don't understand how like um. The, the sort of the Trudeau, Trudeau and the NDP, given the constraints they've set for themselves, are going to be able to respond to this because all that happens no. is that this, um, that the politics is a sort of as a venue, a form of entertainment, and as a zone of um, owns basically, just a zone of owns, yeah. own um, zone, and 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 shot and sort of a and and a place where you can be shocked at people you don't like and you know, worry, you know, a thing mm-hmm. that you can do to scare yourself and have fun by scaring yourself, um, is this is where Pierre Polyev thrives. Yeah, absolutely. This is his natural environment. Like, the stakes are so low that they are invented, you know? Like, <laughs> well, it's that the stakes, I think it's that the stakes are so high, but the solutions are so impossible. That the only thing that we're, or impossible given the constraints we've set ourselves, that the only thing we're willing to do is just, you know, work on invented stakes. Yeah, and, yeah, much easier to do. You know, much I mean, easier to talk about wood and Bitcoin and fucking whatever, uh, disrespecting a monarch than uh, and so actually fixing. And, and so, and so someone like Polyev, right? Is saying, okay, well, um, this is from CBC, right? He says, once you shift through all the crazy, the new conservative leaders' economic policies are pretty straightforward: reduce uh-huh. inflation, reduce the budget deficit, reduce the swollen Bank of Canada balance sheet that he argues enabled the deficit and created inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, when Mr. Polyev talks about the need to stop printing money, which he does, and often this is pretty much what he's talking about. So, yeah, we see like again, this is um, uh, what's really interesting though is that um, what he's demanding is currently happening. Like that's why it's like it's it's so strange that sort of um, that most of what Pierre Polyev thinks, and this is a good object lesson as well, tends to get um, uh, uh, sort of preempted by events frequently. Yes. Like his his love of Bitcoin as a way to opt out of inflation kind of you know didn't work because you know there's um it, it turned out that you know, Jerome Powell basically set the value of the anti-establishment fake currency which is very <laughs> amusing um, and then he just decided it was worth less and you know your um, rugged individuals no longer can pay for their shawarma and and, and Bitcoin um, it's the same thing but now he's saying okay well he's gone back to a pretty standard conservative deficit bug. Um, uh, position where he's saying, okay, well, we need to stop printing money. We need to stop quantitative easing as though the Bank of Canada hasn't been engaged in quantitative tightening for quite a while now mm-hmm. of unwinding that big balance sheet that it built up. I mean, every, every um, sort of major uh, sort of like Western economy is now doing quantitative tightening. Like it's like the whole thing, the whole like era of 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 um, easy money or whatever that Pierre Polyev likes to talk about about creating all of these uh, catastrophes is gone. Yeah, it's over, and it's it's gone. But that's not going to stop him because really, what people like about Polyev is that he's able to um, he's he's is that he is and what they what conservative uh, members liked about Polyev and why why he polls well where he polls well is that. He's he's willing to acknowledge that there is a problem and it's very big. It's just his solutions are insane and in many cases not solutions and in many cases already being done or tried. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. So so I, I don't. I mean, it's, it's this is uh, further from the C, from the CBC. This is uh, what Polyev actually said. He said it, on his acceptance as leader of the opposition. If you really understand the suffering of Canadians, Mr. Prime Minister. If you understand that people can't gas their cars, feed their families, or afford homes for themselves, if you really care, commit today that there'll be no new tax increases on workers and on seniors. None. Um, and, you know, I mean, again, this is, it's if you presage your solution by making, by showing that, like, by everyone that these are the problems you want to solve, and then, pro, and then 
propose something fucking insane, if you propose something insane as opposed to if you understand that people can't fill their cars, feed their families, or afford homes, and that's why I demand a 3% payment adjustment for um, families in certain areas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're demanding something quite categorical, that sounds much bigger. And it's, this is what we talked about in the episode where we, so a couple weeks ago where we thought about, we predicted that he would win, which is that yeah. he's crazy and he's willing to be crazy. He is crazy and, and he's uh, willing to be crazy because it serves him. Because he is a, you know, he is a product of the internet, essentially. He's a fucking YouTube guy. Mm-hmm. And being crazy on YouTube uh, immediately gets you a reward, you know, in certain circles. So I, I think, right, like ultimately... Um, ultimately, he's got the same. He, his challenge really is not to beat the liberals. His challenge is the same challenge as Ron as Ron DeSantis in the states, which is to get Canadian conservatives to come round to the idea <laughs> that they can't get Trump and he's the second best thing. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's it. Uh, and it sucks because he's not as entertaining at all. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Part of me wishes he was crazier because because reading um, media around uh, any sort of centrist media around Polyev makes me feel like I'm I'm losing it because because I don't think he he's nuts but he's not that nuts and he's entertaining but he's not that entertaining. I mean, when it's I, very when I say nuts, when I say nuts, I don't mean he's nuts in a fun way. Yeah. I mean um, he's willing to say stuff that's very obviously categorical and extreme and all this stuff, whereas everyone else is very much, um, you know, trying to pretend it's still 2004. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. He's not near, he, he's not even as entertaining as Ron DeSantis, who like, at least will get into hijinks. Uh, yeah. Like the worst, like, like the biggest thing he ever did really was stand in front of the nickel. And I mean, look, it was fun, but um, you know, it, it was, it, come on, what have you done for me lately? I don't know. I mean, the, the wood is, the wood thing was him wilding out, and I'd frankly like to see more of that. I'd like to see him talking about, I don't know, um, like an artisanal well or, uh, you know, his kayak, stuff like that. <laughs> that would be good, but it's not going to get any better than that. I feel like that, that, is, uh, that is the limit of the arc. <laughs> the, the, but the thing is, all of it has sort of so far, I mean, look, we can say it's so far worked for him. But because right now, like, there's a pretty significant polling lead that he enjoys over over the liberals. But like, mm-hmm. there the conservatives have also had leads over the liberals in like several times in Trudeau's tenure. Like in 2019, they had a pretty big lead as well. So it's like, it, and as much as it's a referendum on the liberals, you know, it's um uh, people are often going to be dissatisfied with them until a lot of Canadians again, as as they have several times in the, in the past, and as they frequently do just don't really end up putting the Tories in office. But yeah. again, that only happens until it doesn't, right? And the it seems as though the um the liberals and NDP are just pretty much willing to uh just roll the dice again. You know, they're they're playing Russian roulette and they've got like they've they've, they've the begun has clicked four times. And yeah. they could stop playing Russian roulette by playing a game that maybe they don't like as much. <laughs> Um, that <laughs> like access and allies, work. or uh, yeah, they, they could play any other game. Like, no, Settlers Russian Catan. They keep going no, back no, to we the gun. Look, it's fifty-fifty. Okay, I like those odds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there are ideas too. In the meantime, as the as the uh, let's say the chambers keep emptying and they keep being passed over, there are ideas. The ideas that they have in the meantime are fucking awful. Like. I mean, today, today, for instance, I read a piece on kind of a speculative piece that uh, Melanie Jolie, like the, the current foreign affairs minister, is being uh, groomed for the position of like either deputy PM when Freeland eventually leaves uh, or, you know, maybe leadership is a big leadership position. Freeland is almost 100 percent leaving to uh, get a job with NATO, which is like a fucking nightmare scenario. but. But like, and and I think I think the liberals have maybe realized that they can't run Freeland because she is um, just deeply. I mean, besides politics, well, and she's weird. She's, she's a weird we- person. She is a weirdo. She is a weirdo. She is deeply weird. Uh, po- yeah, her history and politics aside, also her track record. If 
you know, if she does make the the run for for prime minister and anyone just is like, okay, well, let's see what you've done. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Look, Canada is not ready for a quirked up prime minister, unfortunately. No, no, Canada is not. But, you know, like, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, Italy just elected an open fascist. So, uh, you know, I guess anything's on the table. The, the UK has, um, well, I mean, if you think about it, right, the, U- the UK has come full circle from um, conservatives trying to, like, respond to the events of 2015 and 16 by doing a kind of national conservatism, right? Yes. Where we had Theresa May thinking about her burning injustices, Boris Johnson thinking about leveling up, and then they realized, oh, we could just not do that. We could just yeah. not bother doing that kind of thing. And I mean, the only reason it didn't work is because you know, Liz Truss and, um, and, and Quasi Quartang are like particularly disconnected from reality, even by the standards of British Tory politicians, which is you know, saying something. But, you know, I think they're, um, I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the idea as well that, um, <clears throat> that Polyev is going to, is going to essentially box himself in with what is, you know, pr- a pretty much Reaganite agenda is yeah. also sort of knocking it like there's no more circle to square with that whole national conservatism thing it's it's, we're sort of seeing that in at least in in anglo in in english-speaking countries it's probably kind of done um and you know because in 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 canada and in and in the states right we have these rising quite traditional neoliberals or rising or risen really um although you know looking at polling in the uk i think it's pretty clear that um conservatives are uh, in trouble as they're kind of doing what the liberals are doing and just kind of allowing they're they're just sort of their whole project is slowly run out of steam and mm-hmm. it's it's like how it's like how you know if um I don't like if, if Henry Kissinger dies it's always weird to be like oh you 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 fuck you buddy you died in extremely old age surrounded by your family yeah um, i mean there's yeah, there's owned. there's to be no gloating if kissinger yeah. dies he's he's won the game you know but also it's the same thing with these um with the with programs like that of the uh, the British sort of Tories of the last twelve years, like yeah, they're ideological. They got voted out because their ideological agenda just they ran out of stuff that they could reasonably do. Yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. They, they're very much the old Kissinger here, um, and well, and so and it's much the same. It's but it would be much the same with with Trudeau facing, but it, facing Polyev just kind of ran out of stuff to do that could make him kind of credible in front of. Uh, mm-hmm. In front of the audience of Canadians, and so it's um, and so to see it, it almost feels as though you know as when when Polyev talks about um, his uh, you know rejection of tax increases uh, and his comments towards the prime minister saying quote your um we must uh, end your government and your radical quote comma woke coalition with the NDP oh my god it, it feels sort of low effort like he's just sort of playing to Twitter. Uh, which thing. is always lame when any whenever a politician does it. It is as lame as anyone on Twitter playing to Twitter, if not lamer, because he's saying it with his mouth. I wonder if he's going to be like a Yang type figure where there's an initial groundswell of like excitement. And then, you know, Yang definitely played to Twitter a lot and then just flamed out, you know? Well, I mean, it's uh, the question, of course, right, is 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 and I, I think the comparison I see really is Ron DeSantis, um, and I think the the, the, the Polyev Ron DeSantis comparison is good because both of them are, as I said earlier, fighting the same real enemy, which is Donald Trump. Yes, exactly. um, that's really who they're running against. Yeah, uh, I suppose it's um, even in, in in Canada, right? You know, Polyev is running, trying to be like I will be, I I am like Trump for you. I will I will own Canadian Lev Parnas. Um, I, I will do that for you. Um, the, uh, Bernard, the roughneck. Um, and, but at the same time as well, he seems to be completely trapped in, um, in playing to this one specific, he's obsessed with inflation, but in a way that, um, in, in a way that's very one note and again, very, um, know-it-all campus conservative and very much pandering to internet people. Yeah. Uh, talking also about the the radical woke coalition is pandering to internet people. All Absolutely. of his, you know, playing footsie with the trucker convoy, that was pandering to internet people. All of it was just pandering to internet people. He's he, he's trying he's trying to you know get fave his way uh, into Ottawa. You cannot fave your way into Ottawa, not yet. I mean, I'd be I'd, I'd be surprised. 
But like, mm-hmm. you know, all this domestic doom and gloom, we can look, you know, we can look to the old country, we can look to Europe and see, uh, you know, a bright future where girl bosses uh, like Liz Trust, uh, Georgia Maloney, and uh, mm-hmm. Estonian Prime Minister Kaya Kallas, who is obsessed with, uh, you know, talking about uh, the uh, evil of the Russian character, are in charge and running things smoothly, you know? <laughs> Thank God, yeah, you know, we, we, we heard this, like, uh, back in 2016. It's like, you got to elect women, man. You got to elect women because they are going to stop the war, right? There'll, yeah. there'll be well, peace in the valley. And if, you know, and, and that's, yeah, like, like Georgia Maloney is going to bring peace to Italy. <laughs> She's gonna reunify North and South Italy by any means necessary. I've always said that we need a a new Garibaldi. Yes, Um, she's she's resurrected the uh, soul of uh, Otto Scorsini and put him in a giant mech shaped like Mario. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it it does seem like a lot of the old truisms are uh, are falling apart. I mean, just on the, I mean, on on the. Uh, uh, Kayakala subject, it seems as though, you know, there is um, uh, a, a lot of consensus as well that, yeah, like um, Western countries shouldn't be taking in um, Russian draft dodgers. Seems like it's, it seems, ins- wouldn't it be good if they, it, wouldn't it be cr- good if they didn't pick up a gun and fight? It's fucking cruel and insane. And, uh, you know, I have, I have friends in Russia, I have friends currently in Russia who are uh, Russian Americans uh, describing the situation as, incredibly bleak no one likes it you know no one no one no one is excited about the mobilization people are terrified and they want to leave and a lot of them want to leave and they should be allowed to leave and and what i'm reminded of is uh a lot of anti um immigration politicians in the european union their favorite thing they liked to say when um a, a lot of syrians were coming over is oh they should stay and fix their own country. Yep. Um, and now that something similar is happening, a lot of you know liberal politicians as well are saying, ah, oh, well Russians should stay and fix their own country. Yes. Um, yes, and it rubs up against the it rubs up against this uh, liberal dream of regime change from the inside of like you know democratic uprising in Russia. Like they. I think the best interpretation of this, if you take away the insane xenophobia, you know, uh, the best interpretation of this is that um, the people who are advocating for uh, banning all Russian passport holders from leaving the country, basically, by rail, uh, the best interpretation is that they want those people to go in the streets and uh, and do a Russian spring, you know, which is... Mm. But I, the, I mean, the, the Arab Spring didn't exactly go super well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah. if you want to talk about this, you know, you know, do, do you know what, what it took to do to sort of undertake um, a coup in Russia the first time in 1917 was a large and highly mobilized popular government in waiting. Yes. Which does and not exist bigger, currently. <laughs> that's bigger than Alexei Navalny. Yes, we got one guy who's mysteriously allowed to tweet whatever he wants from prison and then no one else. Yeah, that you seems know? to be it. And, you know, so it's it's sort of more what I think is, as we've taught, anytime we've talked about this, we come back to, um, you know, some what appears to be uh, short-termism and a lack of risk management. In this case, this seems like uh, further short-termism and a kind of hyper-optimistic belief in the idea that if enough people don't like something and just gather together in a large enough clump, then, you know, politics will just occur. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if anything, these people should be uh, supporting the Russian expat community as much as they supported the Ukrainian ex- uh, Ukrainian nationalist expat community who were allowed to organize for decades against, uh, you know, what they perceived as to organize for decades well, I mean, against the Soviet Union, right? Like, like let I, I would I would say, hey, you know what would probably be a powerful thing is a um anti a group of anti regime um uh, emigres. Yeah, but they but they don't you want know, that. Hey, do you know where do you know where what you have to do in order to organize and in a very repressive state in order to organize a bunch of countervailing institutions that can become a government in waiting is you have to do that usually from exile. Yes, exactly. 
And, I mean, look, that, and that's not to say like you. That's not to say that you you can assume that like these you know eighteen year old kids like fleeing being sent to you know go die in Donetsk are all sort of when they get together in Estonia going to form a government in waiting. That's ludicrous. That's not what I'm saying. But um, it's almost just yeah. it's just that you know I think um, accepting refugees from a draft is a great way to um, fight the country that is drafting them. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, uh, once once again, uh, it appears as though uh, there is some, uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, a little bit of what I see as um, uh, 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 short-sightedness driven by what feels satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'd like to, I'd like to return uh, to Canada briefly, actually. I have a few more things to talk about, about um, sort of uh, the new um, leader of the opposition and his job to um, run against uh, both Donald Trump and his own weirdness, uh, <laughs> which is you can see there are more sort of things. There are more things that are coming into Canada, mm-hmm. right? Um, because the, because Canadian media seems to be sort of 15 years behind everywhere else. Uh, when Polyev said that there is a radical woke coalition, again, of course, doesn't define what that means because all it means is just, um, you know, if you are, if you consider yourself right wing, then that's your cue to be scared of these people. Like that's all yep. that it means. It's just a relational word. It has no, it has no semantic content. Um, this is also, this is, this is from the Globe and Mail. Uh, Polyev's use of woke as a pejorative had a number of liberal cabinet members circling the word cautiously during the party's caucus retreat earlier this week. And tell me like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like yeah, liberal, um, uh, 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 politicos, uh, sort of testing out, testing the waters, and cautiously trying to figure out whether they would want to be called woke does feel like something from I don't know seven years ago. Does yes. it not? Yes, it does. It's sad, man. <laughs> it's 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 like we can't. Not only can we not come up with our own things, it's just you know we can't we we can't even. Like look at what happened with other ones and see how that went and and see that it doesn't really get anyone anything. It's We've, just it just mostly becomes annoying. We said this on the show so many times, but like Canada is deaf. There is like uh, what I would say, uh, what you know, what in the gaming community they call lag uh, between uh, our big brother to the south and 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 the country. You know and. We do have this sort of ability to look into the future and see what happened when the Americans did it, and yet no one does it. <laughs> so we're just uh, doomed so, to do a smaller, lamer version of whatever happened down there six or seven years later. So two examples of the responses to being called woke, and again, like you know, shame on any journalist who um, uh, I'd say like takes this nonsense seriously. Um, outside the ones where it's like yeah you might as well get mad at a dog for barking or grass for growing like yeah you know the sun is always going to do this but there was a, there were a few years where like you know um, let's say again non-party political publications take this stuff seriously uh just thinking that oh well this what's this little new phenomenon um mm-hmm. is uh you know just it's not even it's not shame on you for like you know being um uh, 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 you might say not progressive because we all know they're not. It's just shame on you for being so fucking gullible. Yeah, I mean, and they are uh, extremely gullible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, Environment Minister Stephen Gibault said, "Frankly, I don't even know what it means to be woke. I'm working to serve Canadians." Um, which I think is probably about one of the better answers you could give, which is, "This is a stupid question. <laughs> don't exactly. ask me this." Uh, the uh, only note be more dismissive yeah um science minister uh francois philippe champagne said i certainly don't believe i'm woke trust me and no one in my family believes that either (laughs) like my children hate me yes yes you wouldn't believe the slurs that go that go on around (laughs) our table we when we sing the song we sing every word that's right Uh, i mean what, what what's um what and and you know obviously well sort of basically getting thrown for a loop largely i mean more more responses were like that of the science minister but while getting thrown for a loop by this what they're actually doing is saying um is is, is saying um you know Polyev's party can't um can't fill the center uh but and and that therefore the liberal party must get this become more centrist 
has become too left wing under Trudeau. Now, if Polyev's going to call them woke, they have to counteract by becoming more right wing. Yeah. How on earth is this? I mean, we all know that they want to become more right wing, right? Because if you are in a centrist party, the way you're seen as being serious in that party is by making compromises with what you all believe is the basic framing of reality, which is right wing. But nevertheless, to just see it working. And, and the whole sort of theme of this episode, I think, has just been to see things working when so little fucking effort is put into them. <laughs> It's so easy to take that question and just say, this is a stupid question and uh, I'm not addressing it. And, and, we're, move- and we're moving on. Yeah, so, well, so uh, some said they would like to see the party adopt more centrist positions to counteract Polyev. Uh, we must turn to a federal center, center-right party, said one MP. We need a government that is down-to-earth and less woke. Oh, man. <laughs> But you know what? Max Fawcett is just fucking jizzing in his pants over this shit. So when I see, but when I see that MP, the the, the liberal MP saying we need a government that's down to earth and less woke, you know, what I see there is I actually don't see that use of woke as having zero content. What I see there is I actually see someone who's like, yeah, we've been recognizing too many genocides of the indigenous. We have to, we have to not do that and spend you know more time investing in the F thirty five. Yes, I mean yeah, that's I mean the it. purpose of that. That is the 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 gift of Apollovir, you know, is is the ability to uh, bring a party that presents as left wing, uh, but it really isn't, even further to the right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and, and well, they and well doing it, the most psychotic people in Canada will continue calling them communists. So yeah, exactly. It, it's why it has to be seen as a closed loop system. It is. It it is a. Um, a machine that yanks itself right. And with Polyev, we are seeing the most uh, lame internet, low effort, but equally poorly thought out enough to be fucking crazy enough to um, you know, actually uh, get people on board with it, not because of any appeal of the program itself, but because of apathy with the uh, repeated failures of the uh, current regime. Yes. Uh, so thank you, everyone, uh, for yet again... Um, I would say uh, uh, failing uh, Canada in a pretty fundamental way. It's awesome. just ev- everyone. Hip- it's just everyone hypnotizing themselves. It's Polyver hypnotizing himself into th- into thinking that these sort of little whatever these jabs at the liberals are somehow like owning them. It's you know it's uh, his fan base hypnotizing themselves into thinking into superimposing Trump's face on 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 his face. You know. It's the liberals hypnotizing themselves into thinking that he pre- presents any kind of real threat. Uh, yeah. Well, because he's only, he's only a threat if uh, they do nothing. Which he's they only are a threat programmed if the coalition... to do. <laughs> yeah. So he's only a threat if, for example, the uh, NDP doesn't force the liberals to do anything, which they've already basically said they won't. Yes. And actually, I have a very good example of the government doing fucking absolutely nothing. Oh, which, sorry. I, I have an oh. example of what, this, uh, what, of what this reminds me of in film. In Austin Powers, when Austin is uh, on the steamroller running over the henchmen at like 0.1 of a mile per hour, he's just standing there and screaming in terror. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Won't somebody now, help onto me. your real thing. So there was a, a fairly large and devastating tropical storm that hit the east coast of Canada over the last couple of days, caused massive amounts of property damage. People died. It was bad. It is one of the worst natural disasters, uh, if not the worst in living memory, to hit the east coast. And, you know, usually what happens in most countries is when there's a natural disaster, the state... Yeah, you privatize the schools. Yes, exactly. That's what you do, right? You 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 build a new uh, Irving uh, newsroom school of news business. Um, but no, like so. Usually, the state uh, provides disaster relief because that's one of the fucking jobs of the state. You know, that's that's one of the basic jobs of the st- of the state is to provide relief for the people living within its borders. But uh, during a press conference on Saturday, Trudeau announced that the federal government would match any donations made to the Canadian Red Cross to provide relief in the wake of destruction left by Fiona, which is just maddening to think about. Maddening to think about. By by Polyev's logic, that makes it inflation neutral, so it's good. It's so fucking shit. Just, you are the state. 
fix it. Do your fucking job. Your matching donation. I, w- I mean, that is just also in, like imagine being like, okay, well, this is the um, this is the circumstances under which you live. Um, you uh, the state um, may consider you a citizen. Yes, maybe. Yes, exactly. And, and I, mean, I mean, that's to go ahead. Oh, and the other the other great thing about this is it's not just you know the offensive thing about it is obviously that the state is abdicating responsibility for disaster cleanup. But the other insane thing is that because they are because they are only matching donations with the Canadian Red Cross, it means humanitarian relief organizations like things like Global Medic, who provide aid in uh, natural disaster uh, areas or complex like environmental er- emergencies, are not getting their funds matched. So it's just the Red Cross. It's no one else because there are maybe five or six competing agencies, not competing agencies, but agencies who are providing help to people who have had their homes destroyed, um, you know, uh, who have had have to move because their town is fucking wiped out. And the Canadian government is just has picked one. And that's the Red Cross. They're not matching donations yeah, like with any of the these most other. obvious one. They, they just Google searched uh, yes. know, Canadian aid agency. It's uh, Canadian charity. disaster and relief aid agency. Oh, Red Cross. It's the first thing that popped yeah, perfect. up. Perfect. There you go. We're going to well, match donations. I'm on break. <laughs> and at, at the same time as well, just the, the idea of cause it, the idea that Canada is just uh, at a federal level is going to sort of um, abdicate its responsibility as the owner of the money printer to uh to do anything about this i mean it's not even as though we don't have enough natural disasters that we um shouldn't have some kind of plan in place for it because what was it within the last year we also had uh, the largest the most popular populous area of british columbia just cut off from the rest of the country by a mudslide yeah absolutely and the and- idea that we are getting less not more into disaster preparedness is um i think just um Terrifying, but also uh, incredibly insulting uh, yes. to anyone who has, um, you know, no um, no alternative really, because yeah. you know the um, the two of the alternatives are wrapped up in agreeing that there shouldn't be any disaster preparedness, and the other uh, thinks that Bitcoin fixes this. Exactly, exactly. And there's a precedent for this. Somebody mentioned this to me uh, a couple of days ago, but there is a precedent for this, a small one, which is not necessarily the mudslide. But the incineration of Lytton, British Columbia, you know, like there was no real mobilization by the government to help there. So it's interesting if you look at these bigger problems that we were talking about earlier on, you know, like the opiate crisis and and the housing crisis. It's pretty clear by the government's response to a fucking hurricane (laughs) that if they're unwilling to uh, do what states should do in the face of uh, a hurricane. You can bet that they're going to be totally unwilling to do what states should do in the face of people becoming homeless or, you know, having their lives ruined by inability to access treatment for opiates. Let's let's say subsequent climate change related disasters. That's the big one. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. The, uh, the the state basically just turning on a World Vision commercial. Like, yeah, it's look, you pay your taxes, but, you know, those are going towards the F-35. We can't be like we can't be using those on you know, um, basically ensuring that we can manage the impact of increasing in frequency and intensity natural disasters. You could literally see them turning the lights off and quietly walking backwards with their fingers pressed to their lips as they leave the room, you know? like. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what, um, th- and that's the thing, right? I don't, I don't like to be, you know, too doomerish. I think it's stupid and counterproductive. I don't yeah. really see. I don't. I don't. I do not see. Right. A um, a kind of liberal NDP solution. I see it leading to a Tory government that will, again, as would happen with the Harper government, everyone fucking hates, and they just get anyone but the conservatives in again who rule as anything but conservatives. Mm-hmm. I don't see where change comes from in the elite-dominated model of Canadian um, sort of. Politics as commonly understood. No, it's uh, it's what it's what you would call a frozen conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we need to, we need high Mars in order to solve the um, uh, in order to fix the hurricane issue. We are going we're going to use advanced targeting and we're going to subject the hurricane to an artillery bombardment. Uh, I think that's or actually we will sort a great of use idea. the NATO nuclear umbrella. 
Yeah, we're going to buy a bunch of harpoon missiles from the United States uh, above cost, and then we'll have to retrofit them to uh, put them on uh, seaborne platforms and then, um, or our land platforms, and then we're going to shoot them at the next weather system that comes. <laughs> Good, bad, we don't care. If you're a weather system and you're turning up at our border, maybe you yeah. should go fix the weather in the Atlantic Ocean. Exactly. Yeah, wait, why don't you go rain, go rain on, your own, on your own territory. Don't, don't bother coming into ours. Yeah, we don't need you, um, we don't want you. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, you know, good to good to flex the old uh, Canadian politics podcasting muscles again. Yeah, um, absolutely. It was as ever lovely to talk to you with no guest, Dan. Yeah, yeah, same. Even though I am in um, the worst city in Europe, Amsterdam, but uh, you know, I'll soon be in the, one of the best cities in Europe, Berlin. So that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you'll be uh, missing all of your obligations there because you will be in Berghain, I assume. Uh, hopefully, yes. That's the plan. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I'll see you on the other side. I bought a cool tracksuit, we'll so let's uh, uh, let's. That hope. will not work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, is, that is not going to work, my friend. I have a nice top um, to go with the tracks. Anyway, whatever. We can talk about this off off pod. Give me some. You got to give me some pointers, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I'll, don't, don't worry. I'll uh, I'll get you in some. It book. It's got to be very elaborate, but very revealing. The more mesh, the better. Okay. Anyway, okay. thank you very much for listening to the show, all you out there. Don't forget, there is a Patreon. There's an episode coming next week that you'll be able to listen to for seven Canadian dollars. Seven Canadian um, dollars. That's it makes a big difference to me. Seven is, British pounds. Yeah. Well, I said that makes a big difference to me as all of my expenses are denominated in British pounds. Boo. Uh, I, <laughs> Well, I, you know what? My income's in non-British pounds, so I can't <laughs> complain that much. Yay! Anyway, uh, so we will uh, see you there. Bye, everyone. Bye, folks. <laughs>